Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Baseball Pickups Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Corso, and I'm flying solo today without my co-host, Kyle Sontag. Uh, on this podcast, we talk a lot about prospects, but today I want to talk about some former prospects, and these players fall into one of my favorite buy-low categories in both Redraft and Dynasty, and that's the sophomore slump. So these are players that made their debut in 2022, performed well, had some excitement coming into this last season, and then performed poorly. Um, there's many reasons why a player can go through a sophomore slump. Usually it's because the player, you know, the league adjusts to the player and then the player has to make adjustments back to the league. And this is really, you know, a time where players can struggle. Um, you see it with even, you know, superstars that might, you know, start off their sophomore season and, and struggle in the beginning, but then figure it out and, and take off towards the end. Um, but with these players, you know, there's various reasons why they they struggled in their second season. But I think they all represent really good buy low opportunities uh, in Dynasty this off season, and you know, really good buy low opportunities at the draft table as well in, in redraft. So I have three hitters and two pitchers uh, I'd like to discuss today. So let's get started. Uh, the first hitter I have is Jeremy Pena. He's 26 years old. He's a shortstop in the Astros organization. Um, 2022 was his debut. He was up with the Astros for the entire season, won the job out of spring training, had a pretty solid fantasy year. He hit 253 with 22 home runs and 11 stolen bases. Um, under the hood, those numbers were not quite as great real life numbers. He only had a 289 OBP, a 426 slug, um, did have a solid K rate at 24.2%, but really didn't walk at all at 3.9%. So there was some skepticism coming into 2023. Um, that this was a you know legit hitter. Um, the one thing going for him is that he had job security due to his uh, exceptional defense. And there was another camp that was really excited about the possibility of him taking a major step forward in 2023. And a lot of that had to do with how he finished 2022, uh, specifically in the postseason where he had an OPS over a thousand. He hit four home runs and five doubles in 13 games. So really had a phenomenal postseason. Uh, and the question with him has kind of been twofold. It's it's how good is the hit tool and how much power does he have? So seeing that four home runs in the postseason, along with the 22 home runs he posted in the regular season last year, uh, gave a lot of hope into you know what he would do coming into 2023. However, in 2023, um, he did not perform up to that same level. So the power was really the big difference in 2023. He slashed 263, 324, 381 uh, with only 10 home runs and 13 stolen bases. His ISO fell from 173 to 118, and his barrel rate fell from uh, 65th percentile to 10th percentile. Um, and his launch angle fell 3.2 degrees as well. So he wasn't launching the ball. He wasn't barreling it. He wasn't hitting as many home runs. And um, there was really a stark drop off in the second half. You know, that that power surge that we saw in the postseason last year, that continued into the early part of the season this year. In March and April, he had six home runs. Uh, and then the power really started to kind of fall apart after that. And throughout the entire second half of the season, he actually did not hit a single home run. So when you look at those 10 home runs, those were all before the All-Star break, which is just kind of crazy for uh, a player that hit 22 home runs last year. Now, it wasn't all bad. Um, he really made some great strides in the approach this year. And you could see that with the 324 OBP versus his 289 he had last year. Um, the walk rate nearly doubled to 6.8%. 
the K rate fell to 20.3%. Um, so he was also hitting like a lot more doubles. He had uh, 32 this year. So I think when you, when you combine all that together, where he improved his K rate, his walk rate, his whiff rate, uh, his chase rate, the average went up, the OBP went up, he improved his performance against off-speed stuff. It really seemed like he gave up on trying to hit home runs to really work on his ability to be more consistent with his approach. And I think now if you can marry that improved approach with the power that he's shown before, I think you could see him not only get back to 20 home runs next year, I think you could see a a breakout for Jeremy Pena because he's definitely developed um, the skills to be a better hitter than he showed in 2022, especially if he can tap into that power more consistently. Um, The one thing I will say that that was a little bit worrisome was also on the base pass. So he struggled with caught stealing. He was caught stealing nine times this year, which is kind of crazy. So he had um, 13 stolen bases with nine caught stealing, whereas in 2022, he had 11 stolen bases with two caught stealing. He still has elite speed, though, at, at 95 percentile. So and he still posts really strong uh, max exit velocities as well. So I think this is a player who, like I said, I think he's got a lot of raw power. I think he's got the speed to steal um, you know, more than 20 bases. I don't think he'll necessarily get there because he hasn't shown that, but I think you're looking at a player who could hit, you know, 25 home runs, steal 15 stolen bases. And it's really just a matter of him putting together the skills that he's already shown. One thing to keep in mind, even though he's 26, which is, you know, probably the oldest player I'm going to talk about today. Um, he had a really truncated minor league career due to the COVID year and due to, Uh, injuries that he had along the way. So he's actually in two seasons at the big league level. He's actually had far more plate appearances in the big leagues than he has had in the minors. Um, Overall, I see Jeremy Pena as a great buy low opportunity. Um, I've seen him ranked anywhere between, you know, 250 and 350 on dynasty lists. Unfortunately, I don't have my own rankings list yet. We'll see if I ever create one, but I think I'd have him quite a bit above that. I think he's more of a borderline uh, top 200 player for me. You know, I wouldn't necessarily count on him to be a starting shortstop at this point, but I think he's a great middle infield option. And again, one whose value is really low right now. Next up, we have Oswald Peraza, another former shortstop prospect. So he plays shortstop primarily in the minors, but also has been converted to third base, um, recently seeing time there at the MLB level with the Yankees. Uh, In 2022, he got a cup of coffee, only 57 plate appearances, but looked really good. Uh, He had a 306 average, 404 OBP, 429 slug, uh, had 10% walk rate and a 16% K rate, good for a 147 WRC+. Um, He was competing for the starting shortstop job out of spring training coming into this year. And the real question was, would it be, you know, him or Volpe? He really struggled in spring training. Uh, Volpe ended up getting the job. And then Peraza was kind of up and down as an injury replacement throughout the year. He finished with 191 plate appearances, uh, a 191, 268, 272 slash, which is just horrendous. Only two home, home runs and four stolen bases. Um, the K rate went up to 26.2%. The walk rate fell to 6.8%. Um, but he did do a lot better in AAA. So in 300 plate appearances, AAA, he slashed 268, 357, 479. He had 14 home runs and 16 stolen bases, had a 9.7 K rate, uh, 18.3, or I'm sorry, 9.7 walk rate, 18.3% K rate, um, and really had showed improvement across the board from 2022 in his second stint. 
uh, at the AAA level. 22, uh, just to remind you, he at AAA, he had 19 home runs and 33 stolen bases in 129 plate appearances. So this is a legit 2030 player. I mean, um, out of all the the batters I'm going to talk about today, he probably has the highest ceiling, even more so than a uh, Jeremy Pena because of his speed. But one thing to keep in mind this year is uh, in AAA, he was tinkering a lot. And I think a lot of that had to do, you know, this is a young player who, you know, failed to win a job out of spring training, failed to really back up any sort of excitement he had and saw himself be passed by another prospect in Anthony Volpe. And he really tinkered with his um, mechanics at the plate. So he traditionally had a leg tick, a, a you know, large leg kick. He switched it to a toe tap. And then by the end of the year, he was using a hybrid approach where he would do the leg kick and then have the toe tap, um, you know, in two strike counts. And I think, you know, a combination of messing with the mechanics, you know, being converted to third base, kind of having a really slow start to the year where he struggled in spring training and struggled off the bat at AAA. Um, I think all that can, you know, really wreck a young player's confidence and and I think even the solid performance at at AAA could have been even better um, if he hadn't have you know been tinkering with all this and, and learning a new position along the way. So overall, I think he's got a higher ceiling than Jeremy Pena. Like I said, I think there is more risk there with him. Um, you know, primarily because we don't know you know his job security with the Yankees. But I think now would be a good time to. Um, go see if you can buy low on him, particularly at this point in the offseason, because we could see him get traded and more playing time open up for him uh, in the future. We could also see the Yankees, you know, devote third base to him and, and give him the job. So uh, I think there's a great buy low opportunity there. I think a lot of, you know, rankings I've seen kind of show him as a top 350, 400 player in Dynasty. I have him quite a bit lower than that as maybe a top 250 player. Um, one thing to keep in mind is, you know, he did show a lower exit velocity actually in uh, average exit velocity in AAA than in the majors this year. It wasn't great at 85 miles an hour. Um, but again, I think, you know, with all the tinkering he was doing, I still believe this is a, a 20 home run hitter. You know, he might not have quite the power upside as uh, Jeremy Pena does, but I think, you know, he can still, um, you know, hit that 20 home run mark pretty realistically. So that is Oswald Peraza. Next up, we have another former shortstop prospect, and that is Vaughn Grissom. So Vaughn Grissom is pretty infamously a quote-unquote former shortstop prospect because he was about to be given the job um, as the starting shortstop for the Braves out of spring training, but um, really could not put away questions about his ability to play shortstop and really looks like more of a second baseman uh, long-term. He did debut in 2022, uh, got off to a really amazing start in 156 plate appearances. He had a 291, 353, 440 slash, uh, 7% walk rate, 22% K rate with five home runs and five stolen bases. Uh, good for a 147 WRC plus. So in about a month and a half, he had, you know, five homers, five steals look like a great future piece for the Braves. And then, like I mentioned, um, you know, really struggled out of the gate to perform defensively, um, ended up, kind of, again, up and down, similar to Peraza this year. Uh, at the big league level, he only amassed 80 plate appearances, uh, 280, 313, 347 slash. So still performed um, you know, good in the average department, but uh, no home runs, no stolen bases, barely walked at all at 2.4%. Um, still didn't strike out much at, at 18%, but 
um, compared to the 147 WRC plus yen in 2022 and 2023, it was down to 78. Um, so he couldn't even, you know, barely reach that half of what he did uh, in that 2022 debut. Um, one thing to keep in mind with 2022 is he actually skipped AAA. So he spent the majority of the year at AAA this year, um, his first go round at the level, and he performed really well. He had a four and uh, 468 plate appearances. He had a 330, 410, 510 slash. Always love to see the 345 slash. A 135 WRC plus. Uh, counting numbers wise, he had eight home runs and 13 stolen bases. His approach was great with a 12% walk rate and a 14% K rate. So the one thing that was kind of lacking um, was you would like to see a little bit more home runs. And that's always kind of been the issue with Von Grissom is, you know, what kind of power can he show? So for me, I think this is more of a 10 to 15 home run bat um, with, you know, maybe 20 stolen bases at the big league level. Uh, I think in terms of um, the other players we've discussed, Peraza and uh, Pena, you know, Von Grissom probably has the lowest realistic ceiling, but maybe the highest floor. I mean, he's always had a really outstanding hit tool, um, always had a great approach. I think he can be a fine middle infield option uh, in deeper leagues. And I think this is a player I would definitely target in points leagues where, you know, he's going to put up uh, big points totals that, you know, even if he doesn't get into those home runs a little bit more. Now, that's not to say, you know, he couldn't jump to 20 home run power. I mean, he's 6'3". Um, you know, there is some room on that frame if he can put on some weight and decide to, um, you know, pull the ball a little bit more, raise his launch angle. I think there's a player here who could tap into more of that home run upside, but I'm not counting on it. I think this is, you know, like I said, a 10 to 15 home run bat. Um a big thing with him, kind of like what I mentioned with Peraza is, you know, what sort of opportunities he's going to get, you know, more so than Peraza, he is blocked at the big league level at this point um, with the Atlanta Braves. And I think he really needs a trade this off season. I would definitely buy in now prior to a trade, if he interests you, um, because I think, you know, if he's guaranteed a starting role next year, his value is going to be, um, you know, take a big bump up. Uh, overall, I think right now he's, <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of value. I mean, you could probably get him, maybe as a throw in in trades um, on a lot of lists, it looks like he's not even valued as like a top 400 player. I have him closer to Peraza a little bit lower, maybe as like a top 300 top 250 player. Um, I, like I said, I think there's a higher floor there, but um, you know, a lower upside, but still a really solid uh, middle infield option and a good buy low this off season. All right. Enough about the hitters. Let's get into some of our pitchers. So first one is Hunter Brown, uh, 25 starting pitcher in the Astros organization, um, had a cup of coffee in 2022, uh, only two games started, but, uh, had some relief appearances, had uh, 20 and a third innings pitched a 0.89 ERA, uh, a 1.08 whip, uh, 27.5% K rate, uh, 8.8% walk rate. So, you know, really good, uh, swing and miss, solid walk rate and just, you know, exceptional ERA and whip. Um, he won a job out of spring training for the rotation this year, uh, spent the majority of the year in the rotation, starting 29 games, putting up a career high, uh, 155 innings pitched, but the performance was really not that great by the end of the year. He had a 5.09 ERA, a 1.36 whip. Um, ERA estimators were more forgiving. He had a 4.37 FIP and a really telling 3.52 XFIP. The K rate went down a little bit to 26.8%, um, but at, so did the walk rate to 8.3%. Largely, 
in Kane Walkright, he was the same pitcher uh, between 2022 and 2023. Um, the big difference was that he just got hit a lot harder this year. Um, it was also kind of a tale of two seasons for him. He got off to a really great start in March and April with a 2.37 ERA, um, had a solid May and June, and then just really fell off in the second half. So if you look at his April to June, he had 15 games started, 87 innings pitched, a 3.62 ERA, a 1.20 whip, and 0.93 homers per nine. If you look at from July on, he had 68 innings pitched, uh, 14 games started, a 6.95 ERA, a 1.57 WHIP, and 2.23 home runs per nine. So, like I said, the issue is that he was getting really hard, hit really hard, and it was all happening in the second half of the season. So, why did that happen? Well, one reason could just be that he started to get fatigued. I mean, this was a career high in innings for him. Uh, we also saw his velo dip towards the end of the year. It didn't look like necessarily that he was battling injury or anything like that, but I think he just got tired. Um, one other interesting change I noticed in his pitch mix is that he was using his slider more this year, which despite him having, you know, three potentially plus pitch grades uh, as a prospect, which was his fastball, curveball, and slider. At the MLB level so far, the slider has been his worst pitch, and it really got hit hard this year. So we'll see if that usage changes in the future, but I wouldn't worry too much at all about Hunter Brown. I think he's still the player we thought he was coming into this year. I think he's the player we saw in the first half of the year versus the second half of the year, and I think he is a great pitcher to buy low on right now. Um He's more highly regarded than any of the pitchers we talked about, so you might have a hard time buying really, really low on him, but I still think you should view him as maybe like a top 100 asset, and I've seen him ranked right now more in that you know 150 range, so definitely somebody who I consider um, a you know number two-ish starter ceiling um, more than just a mid-rotation starter. I, I think you know this is a guy who's going to rack up strikeouts. He's not going to kill your ratios moving forward. Um, you know, he's not gonna, you know, have an issue with his walk rate. I think he's only going to get better as time goes on. So I'm a big Hunter Brown fan and I think he's a great buy low right now. Now let's finish up with our last pitcher and that is Nick Lodolo. So he was also 25, uh, starting pitcher in the Reds organization in 2022. He got a lot more of a look than Hunter Brown did. He had 103 innings pitched, 19 games started performed really well with the 366 ERA, a 125 whip, uh 29.7% K rate which is just outstanding and 8.8% walk rate uh which is pretty good. Um 2023 he got off to a slow start and then got hurt. So he had three good starts and then four bad starts in the last of which he got hurt. Turned out later he had a stress fracture in his tibia um and then you know was put on the 60 day um uh, injured list, tried to come back. And then during his rehab, it, it was found that he had another stress fracture in his tibia. So um, some reports had said that, you know, the injury had been bothering him since spring training. It could be a reason for his poor performance in those seven games started, but it was really bad. He had a 6.29 ERA, a 1.36 whip. Um, FIP didn't like it much either at 5.79, but again, XFIP liked it at 3.78. Um, the strikeout rate was still really strong at 28.3%, and the walk rate actually went down to 6%, which is just outstanding. So there were some positives to take away there uh, in that short sample, but 
ultimately, I think that 629 ERA and 1.36 whip are really misleading. Um, he got roughed up in two outings that were against the Rays and Rangers at home where he gave up 14 earned runs in 8.2 innings. And if you remember back to the beginning of the season, I mean, the Rays and Rangers um, were really high-powered offenses. So it's not surprising that, you know, he had some rough starts, especially if this uh, injury had been bothering him since spring training. His velo was down a little bit from 94.4 on the fastball to 93.2. Again, some of that could be contributed to the discomfort from the injury that he was trying to pitch through. And overall, you know, this is a player with... I think Cy Young potential. He has a four pitch arsenal that plays up due to his great command. And, um, you know, there with any Cincinnati pitcher, you might worry about, you know, how he's going to fare at home. Well, in 2022, he had a 285 ERA at home and a 511 ERA on the road. Now, obviously, this year it was switched a little bit in that short sample due to those two rough outings. He had an 846 ERA at home with a 2.25 ERA on the road. I'm not really worried about the park long-term. I really, really like Nick Lodolo. Uh, I'm not worried about the injury. It was not an arm injury. It was a you know leg injury. I think this is a player who, you know, this is your last chance to kind of buy low on him, barring some major injury, um, because he did miss most of the season. He did not perform well, if you look at the season-long statistics, particularly the ERA and the whip. Um, I think he's a borderline top 75 dynasty player. I mean, I would put him up there with like the Tariq Scoobles of the world. Like I really, really like Nick Lodolo. I'm going to be targeting him everywhere this off season. And he's a huge buy for me. Well, that's all I have for you this week. Um, be sure to <laughs> try to do some trades this off season, buy low on some of these players, uh, but also rate and review the podcast and uh, follow us on Twitter slash X. If you haven't already done so, I will put uh, those handles in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.